Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson, and if you've been listening to our show long enough, you know that this is not my normal voice. <laughs> I am actually sick as a dog, but thankfully we have it. We, we do this from different studios, so I'm not breathing on anyone. So don't worry about getting my cold through the microphone. It won't happen. <laughs> I am also a three-time 21-year breast cancer survivor and um, the, a motivational speaker and a published author. I'm also the co-founder of Breast Friends, and Sharon. Uh, is, sorry, I'm I'm rambling here for a moment. Sharon is actually out of town, so we have our very favorite guest co-host with us today, and that is Yvonne Nydigger. So, Woo-hoo. Yvonne, go ahead and introduce yourself to our wonderful audience. Oh, thank you, Becky. And I'm sending you chicken soup and hugs through the <laughs> microphone because I don't want your cold either. So there yeah. will be no hugging coming from me anytime soon. So That's yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm just thrilled to be here as always. I, I enjoy my time on the radio with you and with our listeners and with our guests. And I am also a survivor seven years at the moment. And I have um, really learned a lot from my cancer journey. And so I find my Myself over and over again being feeling very blessed by what we do. I'm a patient outreach coordinator at Breast Friends. So I'm actually on the front lines talking to those of you who are out there that might need to have someone to to chat and with and to we're share so your story. We're so thankful for that, Yvonne, because you're so good at it. You're I like to say my, my mother taught me long ago that sometimes you have to put your chaplain bars on and just kind of open your heart and listen to what people have to say and, and be empathetic. And that's really what Breast Friends is all about. So I'm thrilled to be here again today, Becky. Thank you. Well, thank you you for joining us so you had some you had an awesome thought this morning that kind of ties in with our radio show do you mind sharing that before we go to our guest Sure, absolutely. I I was looking over my notes uh, and I saw that that Anne's topic really touched my heart and she talks about coming back after a life-changing detour. And I think what I found myself on my journey is that very quickly I learned that that a cancer diagnosis, especially with, with breast cancer, I find it doesn't necessarily reflect being in a tunnel with a light at the end. It's almost like stepping across onto a new path. And what's really sad and frustrating is that new path doesn't have any really clear road signs. There's nothing that says, okay, there's going to be a stop ahead and it's going to be really (laughs) difficult or we're going to veer you over this way or we're going to veer you over that way or, or there's, there's, you know, there's a, there's a rest stop coming up in 30 miles. You know, those are the kind of things that as, as cancer patients, this new path that we move over onto is really fraught with a lot of uncertainty. Um, And to have a place like our organization, Breast Friends, where you can talk to other women, find support that helps you navigate that new path in a way that makes it simpler is such a godsend. And I also find that um, 
on that path while you're while you're making your way over the potholes and the sand traps and all the other things that are happening to you if you just take a moment and kind of look around a bit there are opportunities to find what I like to call the silver linings um, cancer and and like any any life-altering situation. Um, I'm personally going through a, a death in my family, and I'm finding the same thing is true there, that you do find um, paths and you find silver linings that you don't expect to see in amongst all of the other things. So, so yeah, I think it's, you know, it's a very, a very appropriately powerful message that we're talking about today, and, and oh, I'm really, really excited is. to share yeah. it. So, yeah, yeah. you know, sometimes those de- those detours where we do go on that other path, do if, like you said, if we kind of look around and observe, there is there are silver linings. That's basically how Breast Friends got started. Right. Um, it was kind of a result of that detour. So, we're going to hear a lot more. More about that conversation today because we have a really exciting guest. Um, she is her name is Anne Llewellyn. Anne is a critical care nurse, case manager, and a professional patient advocate, educator, editor in chief. I mean, the list just goes on. Um, but most recently, she's been a patient and a brain cancer survivor. Oh. She is also the author of Nurse Advocate, a national blog providing information meant to empower patients. And I, I'm excited to hear about how that works, too. It also She also uh, works with caregivers and healthcare professionals to improve the delivery of care throughout the complex, and boy, is it ever, <laughs> healthcare oh. system. My oh. gosh. And, and, you know, I... I have to throw in, you know, before we kind of jump in with you, Anne, that that I honestly feel I, I my doctors were amazing, and I don't get me wrong, uh, nothing's better than a good doctor when you've got something like this going on. But I do honestly feel that the nurses are the angels on earth; that that yeah. they are the people who kind of hold our hands and get us through. And and you know, kind of leading into it, you know, being told you have cancer is a life changing experience, and and hearing those words change your life in so many ways, and you know, Anne heard those words on November 24th in 2014 when she was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And since that time, she's undergone brain surgery, harsh chemotherapy, lost her job, and had her rehabilitated her body to be able to do simple activities of daily life, things we all take for granted. The good news is she's alive today, woohoo, and working her way back from after her life changing detour. And I would have sure. woohooed too, but I had to sneeze and I know. my mic. Oh <laughs> no. So you had a woo kachoo. I had a woo-hoo too, yeah. <laughs> So, Anne, will you share just a bit of your, your background story with us? I, You know, Anne, you've got so many things in your world that are exciting. Actually, what I'd kind of like to ask you before we even get into that, you live down there in Florida. Tell us, how were you impacted by Hurricane Irma? Are you okay? Yes, we were We were lucky. Um, you know, initially, I'm sure so many people heard when, when the storm was first coming, um, it was really going to be a big storm, big meaning it was going to impact the whole state. Plus, also, it was just expected to hit us at a, a category four or five. So oh. my husband, um, really, we just in listening to everything, we decided that we were going to secure our home, but we weren't going to stay for this hurricane. And we've Good. been here for 29 years and have never left for a hurricane, but this one just seemed something was didn't feel right about it, and so we yeah. decided 
to leave, and we have that opportunity because we're both pretty much retired at this point, and so we didn't have obligations of work, obligations and things like that. So we got ready to leave, and we left ahead of the traffic, tried to stay ahead of the traffic. Oh, that's good. Thank but goodness, it, yeah. Yeah, it was, we fared well, you know, I wrote about this in my blog, being a hurricane evacuee, so um, I can share that that post with people if they want it, but we did fare well. Um, you know, the storm, as everybody knows, didn't come on as big, as strong as it was supposed to be. So in our area, South Florida, I live in Plantation, we had a lot of trees down, a lot of damage to uh, trees, and the biggest thing was power outages. We didn't have the rain that usually comes with a hurricane, so we didn't have flooding. But the big problem was uh, electrical outages. And as I know many people heard, we did have a very sad story of one nursing home where now it's up to 10 people have died because of not having electricity and they didn't have air conditioning. And the place that they were in, you know, there's a big investigation going on and I think a lot of people will be found in error with that. But what I came away from with this storm is that we have so many people who are behind closed doors that we don't even know about. And how do we help them? How, you know, this is 2017. And we had a lot after Andrew when that hit um, over 25 years ago. It was just the 25th anniversary of Andrew. But the state is still not really prepared you well, know, and I think that's true everywhere. Everything. You know, we talk about that on on our side of the of the world. How preparedness is important. So, yeah, mm-hmm. no, I'm I'm glad you're okay. I'm glad. Yeah, you know, as you. everybody is, that Florida, as, as horror, horrific as it was, the mm-hmm. the magnitude was at least slightly less than they anticipated, and that was really an answer to a prayer for I know yeah. a lot of well, you. There so, there are places like the Florida Keys who are really still yeah, very bad. Yeah. And oh, yeah, absolutely. So. So, Anne, so give us some insight into your actual background. I know you you are a nurse yourself, but tell us a little more about about what else you what else you've done in your in your wonderful career. Well, I've been very lucky in my career to have a variety of roles. I've been, as you said, a critical care nurse. I worked in intensive care in the and um, emergency room, so got to see a lot of things. And then I moved into risk management, so. That is an area of uh, many hospitals have, all hospitals have risk managers and got to see like when errors occurred, if somebody fell or an error occurred in the operating room or a a piece of equipment malfunctioned, my role was to go and investigate that, find out what happened, if there was an injury to the patient, Mm -hmm. to talk with the team, how are we going to address this to make it right or to help that patient and family know what happened. So that was a very interesting part of my journey through nursing. Uh, When I moved to Florida, I became a case manager, and that really closed, for me, that circle of nursing. Because when I was in the ER, I saw people with catastrophic injuries, spinal cord injuries, head injuries, gunshot wounds, and I never knew what happened to them after they left the emergency room. Right, right. Or or when I worked in ICU, didn't know really what happened to them. Um, So when I went into case management, I saw the other side. 
I saw, yes, people do get better in a hospital, but they still have many problems. And case managers are the ones who can really help people find the resources they need to go on with their lives. And the one thing I learned from that whole experience was how resilient people are. People that had terrible injuries or accidents or illnesses, cancer, needed heart transplants, needed pancreas transplants. They're the type of people that I worked with. But it taught me that people are very resilient, but they need Uh help and they need assistance. So then from um, the case of the case management through my professional network met came together with another woman, we developed an education company. So we developed a company. We started from zero and built a very successful company that um, provided continuing education credits for physicians, for pharmacists, for nurses, for case managers, social workers, all members of the team. And that was really a very exciting thing to do too, especially growing the company and seeing how we could, you know, help people learn and stay clinically and professionally competent. So, Well, and you're the type of person that they need out in that field because you've actually been in the trenches. You know, you've, you've, I I think a lot of times um, people who are in a position, whether it's um, an administrative position or whatever, um, if they haven't experienced the other side, if they really don't know what happens, you know, you having been in the emergency room and seeing what you've seen, and then segueing into the the field that you've gone into, it gives you such a unique perspective, which what I imagine uh, that your cancer diagnosis added a whole nother layer to that. So, yeah, yeah, I can just... sure did. And that is, you know, that is really where my story starts with, for this call, is when, you know, after being a nurse for almost 40 years and then all of a sudden being a patient, being told I had a brain tumor, but not really being cognitively alert. The tumor was impacting my ability to really understand what was even happening. I was physically sick. You know, I remember when we went to the appointment with the neurosurgeon, initially I was in a small hospital and I was lucky enough to have two friends who came there and who saw that I was pretty sick and I shouldn't be in this small hospital. And they got me to the University of Miami. And I was then taken care of down there by a neurosurgeon and then by a hematology oncologist who mm-hmm. saved my life. So when we went yeah. to see that second neurosurgeon down at the University of Miami, I was very they call it symptomatic. So the tumor must have been causing me to have symptoms like sure. I threw up, just spontaneously vomited. Oh, I, dear. I had an oh, accident and I lost my bowels. So I wasn't in my right mind. That's what I say. I wasn't in my right mind to really understand what was happening to me. So I had to depend on my husband, who, thank God, he was there, and also these two friends who were, one was a nurse case manager and one was a patient advocate. And they really helped us get the care I needed and they helped my husband learn how to be an advocate for me. Um, right, you know, so right. that was the first experience until I started to recover, until the chemo started to work and get 
shrink that tumor. Uh, Then Mm -hmm. I started to understand what was happening. But there was a period of time that I was very sick that I couldn't contribute. And I just was lucky I had people there to help me. Yeah, Yeah, it sounds like it. And, you know, like you said, um, having someone to teach your husband what he could do to help was probably pivotal. So Mm -hmm. I know you I I know we're going to talk more about that in the next segment. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, I do want to I want to make one quick comment. You know, and I know, you know, our experience for Yvonne and me, our, our personal experience is related to breast cancer. When I hear about a brain tumor, you know, and brain cancer, you know, you hear so many terrible things about that. To me, you are like this living miracle of proof or evidence that yeah. that they're getting so much better with treatments and, you know, the research. And, and I know we're going to talk a little bit about how you researched your own disease, but um, they're getting so much better at treating all of this. And, yeah. and here you are. You know, you sound yeah. great. I don't, I don't know if you've lost any function or not, but... I have, um, I have from the chemotherapy, I had some complications to my feet, okay. my legs oh. and my feet. So I have... Yeah. Um, uh, welcome to our... Oh, you're preaching to the choir there. In, yeah. in both my legs, and um, yeah. I have to use braces to walk, and I oh. use a cane. But... Yeah. And I initially thought that would resolve, but because nerve damage can resolve, but it's been almost, it's going to be three years in November, yeah. and I am not... It's still May. It's still May, better, right? I mean, know. it's still possible. So, Do you think? Uh, I don't think so. No. I don't know. No. You know, I've kind of not, don't think about that this is going to resolve, worry about it anymore. I yeah. just kind of am trying to adjust to a new normal where I, <laughs> you know, can do some things, but I can't do other things, yeah. and that's helped me cope better. Yeah. Well, good. You know what? Let's pick this conversation up on the other side. We do need to take a short break. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. When a woman is diagnosed with cancer, she faces unique challenges. No one understands this better than the experts at Compass Oncology. Our women's cancer program includes a team of specialists in breast and gynecologic cancers, genetic testing, and the ongoing care of women with high risk factors. From targeted therapies and clinical trials to needed emotional support, Compass is a leader in treating women's cancer. Find out more at compassoncology.com. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live 
fearless. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Hi, it's Yvonne again. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking with our guest, Anne Llewellyn, and kind of wanted to give you a chance, Anne, to finish your thought before we went to break. We were we were talking about the fact that um, with a, a condition that you had post-chemo, you've had to kind of find your new normal with that. And I think that's mm-hmm. really important because I think a lot of us have that situation in our lives and it's important to find peace with what we have. So maybe finish that thought on that. Thank you. Uh, you know, I just, um, I think after you go through something like this and, and you're really sick and, you know, in my case, I w- I'm lucky to be here today to tell you the yeah. truth. I really, my husband was and very so are worried. We. <laughs> yeah, my husband was very worried, and I didn't even know until we went over to some friend's house one time, and they said, Quirk, my husband's name is Corky. He was a wreck. <laughs> he was just so upset the day I was diagnosed, when I was in the hospital getting chemo, he would come over to their house, and he would be, and he would be so upset. And I never even knew that, because I was not understanding it and cognitively alert enough to know what was really happening. So he kind of had to go through a lot of this himself. Um, But, you know, as I got better and I started to reconnect, like talk to people again and be on social media, I was very active on social media before because of my job. Mm -hmm. I had to be in contact and read a lot and, and, communicate with people so through that and learning that people remembered who I was or were concerned for me and that those things helped me recover and helped me sure. know that I could still be functional. Do you know, I, I, I'm going to jump in here because our, our co-founder, Sharon, um, always talks about the fact that we all have to have purpose in our life and we have to find the purpose in what we're going through. And it, it sounds to me that, you know, you, you like so many of us, uh, the, the diagnosis of cancer, as horrible as it is and as terrible as it is, sometimes it, it gives us our purpose. It gives us that thing that connects mm-hmm. all the dots and says, okay, this is why you went through this. So um, mm-hmm. it, it sounds for very sure. much like that's what you did. Well, for me, it was, and I, again, I've been a nurse for a long time, worked in a lot of different settings, talked to people, took care of people, and I was a good nurse. Mm-hmm. But to me, going through this helped me realize how hard it is to be a patient. Sure. It's the hardest thing we will ever do. It's your, your, your most vulnerable stages. You're depending on strangers who you don't know. And I agree, the nurses are the saving grace, but yeah. they're busy too. And sometimes yeah. they're very focused on the tasks that they have to do, like giving chemotherapy. It's very 
dangerous to give those drugs. So they have to pay attention to what they're doing, and sometimes they don't pay attention or they don't take as much care as we would like. And I just think today the healthcare system is starting to realize we have to focus on the patient because they are the most important. They are the center of this whole system. And um, I think hospitals are starting to realize that, you know, through value-based purchasing, through incentives for doing good work, for helping to educate and empower people, we're, we're starting to realize the patient is the most important person of yeah. the whole healthcare team. And if we don't include them and understand who they are, their cultures, their beliefs, I mean, people didn't know. My husband, every time we went to the hospital, I had to go in the hospital every two weeks to get chemotherapy. I couldn't get it as an outpatient because it was, I guess, the doctor, it was many drugs in a combination, and he said I had to be admitted. So I got admitted every two weeks for about oh my goodness. weeks for chemotherapy. And wow. every time we went to the hospital, my husband told, she's a nurse, she's a very important person in case management, and I want you to know who she is. At one point, one of the nurses, they didn't have a room for me, and I said, oh, I'm so tired, I just really want to get in the bed. He goes, we're going to take care of you because you're our colleague. And I don't think they would have said that if he didn't let them know who I was. And not that I was anybody important, believe me, but... um, well, and how unfortunate that we have to um, get to the point where someone has to make a noise for us. You, you would like to hope that, as you mentioned, the, the medical community is starting to realize that, you know, the emotional part of this journey is incredibly important. And, you know, and what is your greatest fear as a survivor having gone through what you've been through? Is there something that, that you kind of... Oh, <laughs> that, yes. That the treatment that I did get, and I've asked the doctor this, I've asked the pharmacist this, if it does come back, will you be able, to, will the same treatment work? And mm-hmm. I don't, they don't know. They won't know. And so far, I've been very lucky it hasn't reoccurred. Now, I want to say... It is scary to have a brain tumor, but I guess I was lucky to get the type of brain tumor I got. It was <laughs> not a glioma like Senator McCain has or other people have had. It's a you know, central nervous system lymphoma was my tumor. So I think, you know, and my tumor responded very well to the chemotherapy, but I get an MRI. Initially, I started every three months. Then I went to a four-month, and now I just got my six-month. I had time in between that I got my six-month MRI, and I see my doctor again on Tuesday. But there's not one day that doesn't go by that I worry if this is not going to come back because it is a highly, it is a tumor that can reoccur, so it is something that needs to be watched. But touch wood. As of today, it has not reoccurred, but that probably is my biggest fear that will come back. And, you know, that's pretty normal, too, don't you think, Yvonne? I mean, so many of the patients we talk to, that's the biggest fear is that, you know, you you have one round of cancer and then the next time you feel a pain in your hip or, you know, pain in your leg and you 
automatically our brain kind of just goes there. And sadly, sometimes it is a recurrence and sometimes Mm -hmm. it has metastasized. But more often Mm -hmm. than not, it's just you you know stretch stretch something the wrong direction or something but right. but it is a very frightening thing to feel that and to worry and wonder about it so we get it totally yeah. get yeah. that yeah yeah well i do yeah. think one thing that that we benefit from having had a cancer diagnosis is that we're under an umbrella of care and concern that that normal people don't have. Mm-hmm. And what I mean is, um, let's say a woman has a, a pain in her stomach um, and it just doesn't go away. And she tends to do what most women do and say, oh, it's just a pain in my gut. It's no big deal. I'm not going to worry about it. It's just a pain in my gut. Now, that pain in the gut could be something way more serious. And because that woman doesn't have that little inkling of nervousness in the background, she's not being as proactive. I think once you heard the words you have cancer and have gone through treatment, things in our body become way more um, important. We're more Mm -hmm. proactive. And I think our team around us takes us more seriously. We Mm -hmm. get the responses to those concerns, you know, whether it's something or nothing. Our doctors are the first ones to say, you know what, come on in, let's take a look and make sure it's nothing. So, Mm -hmm. you know. You know, I have to share a little story along that line, if it's okay with you ladies. Um, I have a, a wonderful oncologist who is exactly that doctor. He He's told me, if you feel anything out of the norm, you know, sense anything out of the norm, get a hold of me and we'll we'll take a look at it. On the other hand, there's these other kind of doctors. I went, I had a problem swallowing at one point and I went to an ear, nose and throat specialist who didn't know me from Adam. And when he took my history and I told him that I was a cancer survivor, and I was concerned about what was going on. He said, oh, all you cancer people do that. Mm-hmm. Oh. He, he lumped me into a group of you cancer people. And I said, mm-hmm. do what? Expect the worst right away. You see something wrong, you expect the worst. You know what? I actually took my, picked up my, my uh, handbag and I said, you know what? We're done. And I walked oh. out. Good I for just, you. I don't need a doctor who's going to belittle me. And, you know, we, and that's one reason I think patients sometimes don't say anything because they don't want to be perceived as a hypochondriac. But the problem is in the thing that we know so well, you know your body better than anybody else. And if something is out of the norm, you need to deal with it. Well, it turned out I had acid reflux. That was what was causing my problem. <laughs> but it needed mm-hmm. treatment. And, yeah. and he just, just shoved it aside like I'm just one of those cancer people. And, mm-hmm. you know, so, yeah, we just really want to encourage we, our medical. what I find so exciting today. And really, hopefully your show is helping inform people that they do have a voice and that they really do need to use it and that they can walk out of a doctor's office because they don't listen to them because Mm -hmm. they should listen to them. And um, that's something that we, I think our generation is going to be more, we're going to be more proactive because we don't sit and just say, oh, the doctor said this. We want to know why the doctor said this. Where did you find that? Can you give me something to read about it? So I can learn more about it. And um, that is, I think, that's more of an empowered patient. That's, mm-hmm. that's a person who's more active in their own health care because mm-hmm. we do have to take care of ourselves. And if we yeah. don't, nobody else will. That's right. Uh, because the healthcare industry and all the people in it are very reactive. We usually don't 
go to a doctor until we're sick. But again, I think we're starting to learn that we have to take better care of ourselves. We have to exercise. We have to eat well, you know, and we have to be careful. And so shows like this really do help people understand that they have power. Yeah. Well, and speaking to the PowerPoint, I I loved, I had a conversation again with my, my Yoda and mentor, Sharon, and something she said to me that has always stuck with me is the fact that your doctor works for you. You pay his salary. You are the one who has given him a job. And in that same vein, we tend to take and not give ourselves that power and that control. And I think especially as women, we tend to look at the medical professionals around us like we do teachers and other things like, oh, my goodness, I can't talk back. I can't question. I can't possibly walk out of the room because he's made me upset and when we actually do things like that it gives the power back to us it makes us Mm -hmm. the ones who are somewhat in control and then Mm -hmm. they're more accountable to our needs rather than just okay well this is what I think you know there you go well no that's not enough I, I need more and I have hired you to give us more. So um, anyway, that's my soapbox. So I'm going to climb on that <laughs> that's a good one, one because Yvonne. that's a big one. So, and you know, mm-hmm. kind of getting back to you again, and, you know, I know you faced a lot of challenges and, and before we go to break, I wondered if you might talk about some of the, some of the challenges that you've had as a result of having cancer. Um, well, basically it was just being sick, losing my, I did have to leave my job When I got sick, I worked for, you know, I was in a job where I was um, editor-in-chief and a director of education, so I had a lot of things I was expected to do. We put on conferences, we put on webinars, and we had a magazine, and, you know, so I couldn't keep up with that. I mean, I couldn't do it at all, and... So I knew I had a call actually while I was in the hospital for one of the chemo treatments with my manager and the human resource person from the company to talk about was I going to be able to come back to work. And I knew I couldn't because I just, I was sick, very, very Mm -hmm. sick. And uh, so I had to say, okay, I am not going to be able to come back. I had to accept that. And that was hard because I really did like that job, but um, I knew I couldn't do it. And so they were able to put me on, um, I guess I went on short-term disability initially, and I was lucky to have the benefits from that company. So I think that's something that people really really do need to look at as they get jobs and look for jobs, and they actually for themselves, you know, disability. Do you have any kind of short- or long-term disability as part of your benefits? Because that will help you if you can't work, to still be able to have some income. And that is different than health insurance and usually yeah. have to pay for it privately. So, yeah. but that was something and, and that I have was to, hard I have to ditto me. that. Yeah, I, I really want to ditto that for a moment because my, my first two diagnoses were both when I was working in corporate America and I had short-term disability both times and that allowed me the ability to work from home or stay home rather and just not worry about it and still receive that yeah. paycheck. Even though it was a reduced amount, it was yes. enough to get me through. Still, so It took a yeah. burden off of you because many yeah. people, and I think work is therapeutic, so if people can still work, that mm-hmm. is great. 
I mean, I think work takes your mind off of cancer. I've had many friends who have had breast cancer and other types of cancer and have been able to work throughout their illness and getting treatment. They had to maybe slow down a little bit, go home and take a nap, but they were able to work, and, and that's therapeutic. But in many cases, like in my case, I really couldn't work. My mind was not clear. as Cognitively, I was not the person I was before. And so yeah. that was one thing. Um, I think what changed the other thing is um, probably the relationship with my husband. You know, we always had a good relationship. We don't have any children, so it's just him and me. But I really learned that he, how much he really cared about me. And he did things I never thought I would even ask him to do in yeah. taking care of me, which was very... Um, very hard uh, yeah. you know, take a shower feed, you know make dinner yeah. clean the house and just things that you know you have your roles and your relationships and he really but he really took care of me and saved yeah. my life so the driving was probably a challenge for you too with all the the, no, the effect of drive. the chemo my doctor my doctor was very emphatic in the very beginning I mean I didn't even couldn't drive anyway, but when I asked him about driving, he told me he didn't want me to drive. And it was kind of surprising because, you know, as a nurse, case manager, work with people who had amputations, and they drove, you know. So I said, why can't I drive? But I have learned over the course of this time that I have had been cognitively impaired by this tumor. It's, I still am, I guess it's called that higher executive functioning is there, but it's not as sharp as it was before. And so at this point, I haven't even missed driving. I mean, I have a little bit, but overall, I mean, usually you hear people when they lose their driver's license, it's devastating to them. But you adapt. It hasn't, it hasn't been that bad, but I, it does confine me. I feel like I am housebound a lot of the time, mm-hmm. but I use Uber, like if I need Good. to go somewhere yeah. or my husband is able to take me or a friend will pick me up but it Great. it is something that is a loss to our life and I'm not, I mean I'm 63 years old so I'm not young but I'm not old and I just didn't think it would ever happen like that but at this point he the doctor has been very firm and because he has told me I can't drive I have not driven because if I got in an accident that would be not good yeah. So, um, you know, at this point, that's where I am. So that was a loss, and I think my yeah. job, and, you know, but... Um, well, Anne, you know what, kiddo, that. we're going to take a short break and come back, okay. and I know there's probably a little more to talk about there. So just everyone stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. 
When a woman is diagnosed with cancer, she faces unique challenges. No one understands this better than the experts at Compass Oncology. Our women's cancer program includes a team of specialists in breast and gynecologic cancers, genetic testing, and the ongoing care of women with high risk factors. From targeted therapies and clinical trials to needed emotional support, Compass is a leader in treating women's cancer. Find out more at compassoncology.com. When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regions Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our program. We've been talking with our guest, Anne Llewellyn. And, you know, I wanted to go back, Anne, and kind of touch on something that that we all know, and everybody talks about it in the news even, the fact that a positive attitude can really affect your ability to come through something, you know, regardless of how serious it is, just having that positive attitude. And with everything you went through, you know, what did you find that really helped you stay positive during your journey? Were there any tips or tools you had? Yes, thank you. And one of the biggest, or early, early in the in my illness, when um, I was first diagnosed and getting treatment and was pretty sick, of course, you know, family and friends, everybody wanted to know what was happening. So my husband, again, because he was the one who could do this, had to talk to people. And I remember um, from another friend who had a website called Caring Bridge. That yes. really, I said, why don't you set up, I don't know, I guess my friends, the, two, the case manager and the advocate, told my husband about that, and he went ahead and set it up, and that was really, for him, it was really helpful because he didn't have to worry about make, returning phone calls and right. telling everybody what was happening. The pe- he could just put an update on the CaringBridge site, and then other people could get it and read it and respond so once I became more alert, awake and alert, and understood what was going on, I started to look at the Caring Bridge site. And yeah. it was just so comforting to see all the people who wrote and who sent notes who were praying for me. And it made me feel like I wasn't alone, and it made me it helped me know that I was going to get better because I had yeah. all this support. So caring bridges are, I, I think caring bridge, I, I tell all my patients that I talk to that if they can, if they have the, the ability to get online, that they should set themselves up with a caring bridge because it really is a, a, an amazing, amazing site. Cool. So, cool, yeah. yeah. The other thing, again, again, as I started to get better, I did start try to reconnect with people. Like I would go on Facebook, I would have my smartphone with me in the hospital and that helped me 
to know again that my friends were still out there and people cared about me and you know I could read an article and share it with my the professional network that I was involved in and that was something that was helped me I think know that I still was valuable and that I still people cared what I, what I did and who I was so you know was can I say something to that and just real quick you know uh, what you're saying is so important on so many levels you know we meet so many women that come from different perspectives on this and some are very outgoing and they'll tell they'll let everybody know what's going on with them yeah me too (laughs) and then there's the ones who want to keep everything private they don't want people to know and and then they end up going through this journey pretty much alone and what Mm -hmm. I found in my journey was the hardest part for me was to just kind of feel like I was alone and that the world would go on without me and nobody would notice that I was gone or care that I was gone. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I think that we kind of put ourselves in that little box, you know, when we don't let people know. And I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm not giving a right or wrong solution here, but, no, it is but there is something uplifting about thing, it. But it's yeah. also people want to help. Outside they people do. want to help you to get through it. So mm-hmm. it's it's social media and like this radio show is a way for people to hear things and well maybe mm-hmm. that's what my friend is thinking you know like what can I do for somebody who has cancer yeah. you know maybe it's make a dinner one night because you just nobody feels like cooking when they've come home from the hospital or they're not feeling well or take a dog for a walk volunteer to a dog walk your dog for you so and yeah. those things are just little things that, that help people get through, and yeah. they mean a lot. Yeah, I'll share a little story right now that's going on in my world that is it's kind of parallel in a strange way. We've had, like I say, a death in our family, and uh, you know, I was always that woman who, who said no anytime someone said that they wanted to help me before I had cancer. I was like, oh, no, no, I'm fine, and the fine, the four-letter word, and I... I have learned, as you were just mentioning, that people really want to help when you're in a situation of, of crisis or or whatever it happens to be. Um, what I what I loved is that I had a very dear friend who's also a cancer survivor. Um, she's also a member of our best friends team. Linda had contacted me and said, "What can I do to help you right now?" And I almost said nothing. I'm fine, but then I thought, you know what? I really you know need better help. than that. <laughs> I do, and, and I and I have as a cancer patient, I learned that people really do want to help you, and. To all you people out there who are going through this, you need to learn how to take a deep breath and say, you know what, I need help. Because I said to Linda, I need help. And you know what, she's coming over today to help me clean my house. So, Mm -hmm. you know, those are the things that happen in life that unfortunately, because we're we're so guarded and we're so quick to say no to help, that we miss these opportunities to not only receive during our time of challenge, whether it's a meal being delivered, dog walking, whatever it is, you're receiving that. But that person who's doing it is also getting a gift because they feel like they've helped you and they feel like that whole circle has come around. So it's really important, I think, even if you're right now listening and you're shy and you're quiet, um, we have a website at Breast Friends that are filled with all kinds of ideas of not only how you can 
tell your friends how they can help. We have a great program that are that are tips to no, show you care. Uh, we have a, a, a pamphlet we can send out to you that you can give to your friends. You know, these are things that may help you open those doors or at least let you understand that it's okay to be someone who says, yes, I need help. So, yeah. you know, and, and even on to that point, even if you are the friend, you're not the patient going through it, but you're the friend mm-hmm. and you're listening to our show right now, you can call our office and we'll send that directly to you because Absolutely. it really is for you. It's for you to know some ideas on how to care for somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of people think of the meal concept, but there are so many other mm-hmm. things oh. that you can do too. And, and it kind of, this, this, brochure she mentioned tips to show you care covers some there's a whole side of the the thing for the significant other spouse partner and then there's the other side for the girlfriends extended family that kind of thing so there's some intimate and not so intimate ways you know and it's very specifically you know listed out so there's a lot of great tips there and all these things are free so we encourage you to give us a call reach out to our through our website and ask for one of those to be mailed to you and, you know, Anne, this is a hard question to ask, but you went through, you know, really some scary stuff. Did you ever want to give up? Um, I don't think I really wanted to give up, but I was scared. And I remember one time when I was in the hospital for chemo, I the doctor came in on rounds, he attending and, you know, with his whole team. And I told him that, you know, I was afraid. I asked him if I was going to die. And I asked him, you know, what if the tumor comes back? And I said I was scared. I said, I feel a little depressed, you know. I feel very scared. Sure. And he just turned to the person behind him and he said, get a psych consult. And, you know, as a nurse, I was alert enough to know that's how they handle that. But what I really wanted him to do was just sit down and talk to me. Yeah, hold your hand. But they (sighs) did get the psych consult, and I was very lucky because the doctor was the psychologist or psychiatrist, I forget, was able to come up to my room in the hospital, and it was a quiet time, so she had one of her appointments canceled, so she was able to come up and spend that half hour with me and my husband. And we had just a really nice conversation. She asked me a lot of questions, how I was feeling, what was bothering me, what my plans were. And I was able to tell her, well, I want to go on this cruise. We had a Viking River cruise planned before I got sick for my husband's birthday. And I really wanted to be able to go on that. And so by her just listening to me and hearing sure. that, I did have some forward thoughts and I did was able to rationalize what was happening to me. I knew it was scary and that was normal. Yeah. She was able to tell me, she said, I don't think I need to give you any medicine, but I want do want to see you again because what you're going through is difficult and you, sure. it's good that you have somebody to talk to. And that so, happened Anne, to me when I was oh, in rehab, too. And, and excuse I me, Anne, I, I don't want to interrupt you, and I apologize, but we've only got a few minutes left, and I okay. really want to get to some of the things that you want to talk about, because I know, you know, you've got a lot of, you've got a lot of important stuff that you're doing. So why don't you tell us a little bit about um, your blog, um, the Nurse Advocate Program that you're doing, and just some of the things that you're working on right now. But Anne, we only oh, have blog, about a minute and a half. My so. blog is Nurse <laughs> Advocate. I called it Nurse Advocate, but the whole goal of it was for me to be able to share my experiences 
with my journey, cancer journey, to help other people, to help other people who are going through it, an illness, and it doesn't have to be cancer. It could be getting a diagnosis of diabetes. But learning how to be an empowered patient was so important. So that is why I started Nurse Advocate. I wanted people, patients, their caregivers, and also the healthcare team to understand the challenges that we as patients have. So that's been very therapeutic for me to write that, and I'm very happy with it and gotten good responses from people who read it. And how can people reach you to subscribe to your blog? How can they actually reach out to you? Well... Again, if you, I don't know if you can put it on your website, but it's nurseadvocate. I don't have to look it up, but it's a, it's, <laughs> if you search, I'm sorry, Nurse Advocate Ann Llewellyn, it will come up. Um, the other thing that I've been involved in, and it's been really a very, um, very positive thing, I think it's going to help. Uh, there are people, as we talked about, who are patient advocates, and I've been involved with a group of leaders in advocacy who are developing a national certification for patient advocates. So that's been another area that I've really spent a lot of time on and have, you know, been very proud of because mm-hmm. this is going to give people, there are people out there who can help you, who are ner- who are advocates and who can help make sure that you have a voice, that make sure yeah. that people have a voice in their health care. And what the options are, you know, we work with the healthcare team. We're not there to take away from the And you know what, Anne, I'm so sorry. We are down to the last 20 seconds, okay. so I actually have to end this. This is a great okay. conversation. We will post a link to your site on ours. Um, so okay. thank you so much for being a guest on our show. We will be back next week. And until then, remember, there is always hope, and we're here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope, and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.